you own your today. What does that actually mean? And especially, what does it mean for leaders? Our guest today will talk about it in part one of her interview. Hey, let's talk about it. If you're going to be a leader, you first need to have the clarity to understand where you're leading to and where you're leading from in your own self. Greetings, leaders, and welcome to another episode of Leadership Is Podcast. This is season four, episode 20. I am your host, Jason Muhammad, founder of JM Leadership Development. I am Lakivia Johnson, the founder and lead education catalyst of my company, Steps Academic Advising and Education, LLC. Thank you so much for being with us again today. We have a guest, Jason. Don't you know it? Absolutely. It's um, a phenomenal guest and a mentor of mine, actually, uh, Miss Sandra Grace. Uh, wonderful person. And once you get to know her, she is a firefly. She's, uh, yeah, she, she's, she's just a great, great person uh, overall and uh, someone great to talk to uh, when you have business questions. Again, like I said, personally, I know her. I've known her for a few years and definitely uh, someone you want to get to know. Hey, Miss Sandra Grace, do you want to go ahead and say hello since he went ahead and gave you that wonderful introduction? <laughs> well, I'm kind of blushing at the moment, but thank you, oh. Jason. That that was sweet. And I think we've known each other now, what, uh, probably six years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, something like that. Well, so thank you for all your kind words. I genuinely appreciate them. Oh, yeah, no doubt, Sam. You know, um, We've done some work together before uh, when it, when I was a uh, program manager over at Green Opportunities there, invited you to come in and speak to some of the students and you gave one of the realest speeches, you know, that I think that they and I have, have ever heard, you know, which, you know, helps me to understand that it's no uh, coincidence uh, that you founded this nonprofit uh, who gives this child you know, a, a wonderful platform for saving the lives of children and making sure that, you know, uh, there's a there's a halt with this child trafficking that's going on. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for that. So but, you know, I got a question for you. You know, uh, how, how did you end up in Asheville? Well, um, my husband and I, the the last company that the last company we built was in uh, Longmont, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And we actually built the first generation uh, silicon chip that did all of the compression technology for the new smartphones. And wow. um, we, our company had been in May of 2000, our company had been bought out. And uh, my husband at the time and I decided to spend seven months on the road. We had a, we had a fifth wheel trailer and a truck and mm -hmm. we just traveled for seven months and hung out. And then we started thinking about, you know, where did we really want to live? Like, what would that look like? And interestingly enough, what came out of our seven months on the road in a, in a fifth wheel trailer was that I wanted to live in North Carolina in the mountains and he wanted to live in Florida. And we actually ended up getting divorced and, um, which was, we're still best friends to this day. I best, we talk three, four times a week. 
But um, but we both just really realized that we wanted very different lifestyles, and we probably could have managed, uh, um, you know, staying married. But at the time, it it didn't seem like the right choice. So so we got divorced, and I stayed here in Asheville, and I absolutely love it here. So and he moved to and he moved to uh, uh, Clearwater, Florida. So it was it was a it was a great time for both of us, and. You know, he's married to one of my best friends and, uh, you know, um, and I go down and stay with them a couple times a year, a week at a time. So that'll tell you the strength of our relationship. Wow. Yes, that tells the strength of the relationship that you have with both of those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> she became my best friend after after they got married. Okay. Okay. Well, that is cool. I think it's really awesome when two people can be mature enough to say, Hey, this is going to work. This isn't going to work. And these are the reasons why should we try to do this together or not? Um, a lot of us younger people, for sure. I think I'm missing that when we're developing relationships, especially those we think that are going to be meaningful. So I'm really happy you shared that with us. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. I don't see it. There should never be a losing part or a losing side in any relationship. All relationships should always be negotiated for, for everybody winning. Mm. And that means in personal and business. You said in personal and business? Yep. I totally agree. I think that um, a lot of times people don't really understand that in business, especially, it's just like being in a relationship. You have to make decisions that, you know, may not always be the best um, or may not always make you happy, so to speak. But for everybody to thrive, we have to make, you know, those decisions, just like if we were like choosing to make, you know, get married or divorce. That's how I feel. So. Well, you know what? You spend more time at work than you do with your partner. So I think that mm -hmm. I think you're right on the money with that. One. It really mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And, you know, a lot of people just go out and get jobs and that's their first big mistake. Mm -hmm. You should never just go out and get a job. You should always look and see if it fits in your life plan. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about the life choices that you make and the impact that it's going to have on not just yourself, but anyone that you have accepted into your personal circle or your business circle. All of those people count, right? All of those relationships matter. Uh, but then you have to be careful with the relationships that you build or the people that you are around that you can begin to you know, personality worship or begin to have uh, what they call uh, this this syndrome that people have uh, to 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 be someone else other than their authentic selves. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100 percent. You know, you have to be intentional, but you also have to be mindful of the people uh, that you're around, the people that you invite into your personal circle, that do they add value to you or do they devalue you and your purpose and where you're going in life? Jim Rohn said, you are the, the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And he also said that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And, you know, we tend to make our biggest relationships or connections at work. And if you, if you look at, you know, if you really look at your friends and it, they determine your future. 
And so I really think this is an important point to be made. So once again, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. If you're hanging out with the guys that are always standing out back, smoking a cigarette and hanging out and, and uh, they're always trying to get off early and everything else, your future with that company is going to be pretty slim. But if you're working with the go-getters inside the company and you're working with the top, top five people in whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're working at Walmart or Target or, or Wall Street, if you've surrounded yourself with five people that are the, the, the best, the very best of the best. And you know what? sometimes you don't always have access to the top people in the company, but you know what? You have access to their, their secretaries, their, you know, um, the people who work for them. And you always want to be on the winning team. Wow. What you just said is so powerful. Um, and I'm glad you just shared that because Jason just wrapped up a six week leadership training program. And in this program, he taught the students to do the same thing you just said, you know, don't actually just go get any kind of job, prioritize what's important to you, find a job that is in line with your life plan. And then here you are now speaking to that, but then also taking it one step forward and saying, hey, and while you're there, hang out with the top five people at the company. Why not? Why not? I don't think anyone has ever said it that way. And I think that that's like so pivotal because if we have finally found this job that is super aligned with our values, our ultimate goal at that point should be to keep it. <laughs> well, okay. So let's talk about that for a second since you brought it up. Yes. You know what? If you're hanging out with the top five people, or let me put it this way. You know what? Even if you're just in customer service, very first step, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're watching those the top people in your company, you're watching what they're doing and where they're going. We currently live in a society where you know, you don't work for the same company for 30 years anymore and get right. the gold watch and have the retirement. You don't do that anymore. Right. What, pe what we do as people now is we build our lives and we build our careers. And if you're watching where those five people always go, you know, those top five people, if you watch what they're doing and what they're talking about and what they're interested in, what they're reading, mm -hmm. it, it begins to show you how your future is being shaped as well. That's why I said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Ooh, Jason, I want to give you the floor because I know you have something to say to, to that comment she just made. Show me your friend and I'll show you your future. No, that's just, you know, that's just it. Yeah, I mean, I, there's really nothing that I can say more <laughs> uh, on that. I mean, it just makes sense. You know, people, you reflect people, you know, you start taking on their personalities and start taking on their work ethics or the lack of their work ethics. And then you say, well, if they can get away with it, I can get away with it. And unfortunately, some people may hold you to a higher standard than them. And then when they see you start slacking, it, it may have a deeper consequence, uh, you know, on you than it will on them because they expect for them to be that way, but not expect for you to be that way. Because, you know, in the beginning, you may have showed a different type of work ethic, a, a type of moral standard. And then it starts instead of, you know, coaching 
which is missing in a lot of organizations is the coaching component. Let me see, you know, something happened and the old saying that says, don't study where you fail, study where you stumbled. And if leaders would look at the employees who are, uh, you know, who, who used to be go-getters, used to be, uh, you know, just straightforward and making things happen, and then all of a sudden, or may not be all of a sudden, but you just realize it all of a sudden, that this person is no longer uh, producing the way that they used to produce, talking the way that they used to talk, um, being inspirational or even uh, being encouraging to others. And so, you know, you got to look at what happened, study what mm -hmm. happened. And so leaders who have a pulse on their organization, you know, not only look at the bottom line and the products and services, you know, but they also look at their employees and study mm -hmm you know, their work habits and ethics. And, you know, uh, if, if it starts going down, well, you got to ask the question, what happened? Well, I think, Jason, I think, if you don't mind me cutting in on this, I think that the first thing that we should always ask is, what happened to me? What did I do or mm. didn't do? Mm. You know, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that the universe always works for us, not against us. We always work against ourselves. And it's like that, you know, and I think that it's really always really, really important that if something doesn't work out right, the first thing you need to do is just really sit yourself down and have a real honest heart to heart with yourself. Like, what didn't I follow through on? What, you know, a very good example is, is that when we closed the magazine, uh, WNC Woman magazine in 2019 is that, you know, I, I could, I, I can spin a really great story about how, you know, the paper, the paper shortage and crisis in the United States um, caused us to take on 28% more in publishing costs. But you know what? We never anticipated those costs. I never anticipated those costs. I never said, okay, when I'm looking at the bottom line of the company, how, what, you know, I never looked at the what if, you know what I mean? I never looked at what if our, what if our printing cost goes up? What if our promotion cost goes up? What if our distribution costs go up? I just made the assumption that they would always stay the same. Well, as, as the, as the CEO and the president and the publisher, it was my job to know that it was my job to understand as the market was changing and fluctuating and tariffs were being levied against Canada, that we were going to have a significant increase. But I never, I never thought about that. And then we got into a situation where, you know, I was putting more money into the magazine with the anticipation that we were going to come across cost and that the cost line and my, and my, my investment line were going to meet, but they never did. And so you know, I can tell you that of every business failure I know of in my 40, 50 years of work, I can tell you that it was the guy at the helm who made the mistake because they didn't anticipate a problem or they were so busy taking care of personal problems that they forgot to take care of business problems. And, you know, first and foremost, it always starts with the person in charge. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what company you're running, it always starts with you. The buck stops with you because you're the guy that has to have the answers. And it's that way in every area of your life. 
You are so right. And that's actually things that Jason and I talk about a lot on this show. Leadership is influence and service. Um, we're influencing Absolutely. people we're around. We are setting the example. We're supposed to be paying attention. We're supposed to be serving those underneath us, serving us even, um, serving others even includes modeling, you know, being aware of the external environment. Um, yep. And we talk about how leadership at the top trickles down to the bottom. And a lot of people don't realize that. Some people think, oh, now that they're in charge, their job has ended. <laughs> when in the reality, we believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, their job has just begun. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Like, that's that's when it starts. So, so not when everything is going, you know, peachy and what what have you. But it's when the 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 problems start to arise. I remember listening to Brian Tracy, and Brian Tracy, uh, one one of the great you know goal setting gurus of our time, talked about there's three ways of how you can look at a problem. First, you look at it as a situation. Secondly, you look at it as a challenge. He said, but the third and most important way of how you look at a problem is an opportunity. And so every every opportunity, you know, that arises in organizations is just that, an opportunity, you know, to learn, uh, to grow, you know, to fix. Uh, but if you look at every opportunity, you know, like a nail, you know, if the hammer is the only tool that you have, you're going to look at every opportunity as a nail, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so definitely, as, as Sanders talked about, and what you're talking about is, you know, one of the things that leaders have to have, you know, is, is a set of tools, <laughs> right? And, and so one of, one of the greatest tools that starts with uh, leaders is a leadership mindset, is looking at, okay, the growth and development of this organization and all people from the from the janitor to the HR director like what what can i do to make sure that you know these people have every tool uh, accessible every tool uh, to their uh, you know accessible to them if you're going to be a leader you first need to have the clarity to understand where you're leading to and where you're leading from in your own self so, Jason, you're exactly right. Mm. You got to have that clarity. You've got to be really clear about what your vision is, and you need to understand how to properly communicate that vision. And then you've got to make sure that every person that's in that company or that you hire in that company, you understand their role that they play right. in developing the vision of that company and what set of tools. I think that before you can even, you know, identify who you're going to hire, you need to understand what their job is going to be. And the, and from that, you have to, and then every person you hire, you have to understand what set of tools that you're going to equip them with. Because mm. some people you hire are going to be like really great at one thing, but they're weak in another thing. Right. So then, then let's say the second team member is going to have to ha have an offset in that, in that skill that that other person is weak in, how is someone else going to shore up that person? And how is that, how is the leader going to develop the team in such a way that they work together as a team? Because you yeah. know what, there's, there's, there's no I in team. Um, what were 
are some of the top challenges the tech entrepreneurs experienced at that time? Oh, God. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So first and foremost, let me tell you, is that the majority, <laughs> the very large number of the CEO, of the people who wanted to lead these companies, be the CEO, mm-hmm. they were technology guys. They uh-huh. weren't, they weren't C-suite people. They uh-huh. were technology people. And they really didn't have the skills to be leaders in their company. They were great at leading in technology. They understood that. They understood they were the ones who came up with the technology to begin with that, you know, in that, in that time period, but they, but they didn't know how to go out and raise money. They didn't know how to build teams. Um, and as a, as a recruiting and consulting firm, that was my specialty is to understand how to, how to build the teams by personality, how to build a culture within a company. And a lot, and, and that was one of the biggest challenges is how do you build a sustainable culture. And, you know, and, and I, I worked in Silicon Valley back in the really amazing days of the dot-com bubble and all of that. Okay. And this is, you know, like systems had just started building routers and, you know, nobody had ever heard of a, of a smartphone that had a terabit, a terabit anything in it, you know? So, you know, we, so we watched the, the first year that we were an organization, we launched over 300 successful software companies and we had 200 more in incubation and an acceleration. And one of the hardest things was trying to convince a, a technology person that he literally could not be the CEO of his company. He couldn't build a company and build a product at the same time. There were very few, you know, I, I, if somebody goes, well, what about Bill Gates? Sweetheart, Bill Gates at the, at the time, he knew that his his talent lied laid in building the the platform that Microsoft was built on. He knew that he was a technologist. So he went out and hired the best guys he could find in their field for leadership of the company. And then he grew into that position when it was time. You know, he didn't start out as the, as that he started out as a technologist, a a book I want to recommend for everybody to read is the tipping point. And it talks about how people who actually hit their tipping point, the tipping point is at 10,000 hours, theoretically. But some other things that were interesting is back in those days, um, you know, the, the, if, you know, it was like technology was developing so fast and it's the same thing that's happening today. You know, we're, we're experiencing this with AI. AI has been on the market now about 12 years and, you know, as it broke the, 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 as it broke through, so to speak, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. AI, this AI, that AI, this AI, that, you know what? What's going to happen here pretty quick, quickly is we're going to start to see the faults and faulting in AI and the use of AI. And don't get me wrong, it is an incredible product and it is our future. Just like .com, just like using the internet was the future back when, you know, back when I was in Silicon Valley. But we all run the risk of jumping onto something that we think is the, you know, newest silver bullet, the, the, the fastest train, the fastest plane. But a lot of people aren't taking the time to slow down and pay attention to what is the fault of AI. Back then, it was the same thing. People were developing technology so fast 
we thought, oh boy, we, you know, nobody is ever going to be able to develop anything greater than what we have right now. And if you look at how technology has evolved, we went from, you know, using, from using, listen to this. We went from having to send a letter to using a fax machine, to uh-huh. using a computer, to using right. the internet. Right. Okay. Now we're all using the cloud. Right. <laughs> and now we're all looking at how we can how we can make our jobs easier and faster by mm-hmm. using AI. So you know, there's 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 the upside, and but and then there's always the downside to everything. So one of the biggest challenges in anything today, technology today, is what really is the greatest next next best step and you know people's minds are evolving so quickly the real the real honest question about what's the biggest challenge honestly is leadership Hey, thank you so much for enjoying another episode of Leadership Is Podcast. This is season four, episode 20, and it's actually part one with our guest, Sandra Grace. And we were talking about you owning your today as it relates to leadership and the responsibilities, duties of leadership. And she gave us some wonderful examples of the differences between successful and failed leadership. But be aware, there is a part two. Hey, you guys, make sure that you take care. Share this out, like this, um, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, uh, Spotify, and more. And always remember, leadership is influence and service.